while so many others sit the fence. But if you want to know where the Word of God stands, and believe it wants to use your feet and hands, it's time to take your faith out of the seats and into the streets. And come along with me. If you only look, then you will see on WCNTV. tuned into Wisconsin Christian News Live. And Spencer, can you throw up WCN TV? I think the URL is .net, WCNTV.net, and also Wisconsin Christian News, uh, the newspaper. If you have never heard of Wisconsin Christian News, you need to check it out. And they have a great website where you can access their uh, print newspaper archive going way back many, many years. Rob Pugh is normally the host of this show, and he apologizes for not being able to be with you. He is uh, busy with taking care of um, death in the family. Looking forward in February, I think, to being able to come back and join you again. We do have a live audience, and today we have uh, at least one couple in from Illinois. And if you're watching live on one of the other platforms, YouTube or, or, or uh, Twitter or whatever, I don't even know where we, we're broadcasting from live, but you can go to WCNTV.net and there's a link there. It's very easy to join us live and you'll have an opportunity to interact with our guest today, who is a Christian hero. You're going to want to share this link with uh, friends to learn something critically important about how you can help other people come to know vital truth that uh, may end up saving somebody's life. We're going to be, I'm going to be introducing uh, our guest in uh, just a moment, but my goodness, there is so much, um, so much going on. And I am so hopeful about where things are going. You know why? Here I am wearing a Trump hat, and we were all hoping and praying that uh, the top leadership of our country would be different than it is. But I believe that the leadership as it's currently constituted is going off the rails right now. And I think that there's going to be a backlash like, uh, like you can't imagine. I'm not sure when it's going to start. I'm not predicting the future, but... This uh, situation that's developing in America and in the West as a result of left-wing politics and left-wing religion going moving very rapidly toward uh, global communism, this, this, is, this is not going to happen without a fight. There's no doubt about that, none whatsoever. But as we get into the fight for the truth, I want us to remember this insight from per, uh, perhaps the 20th century's most pithy and interesting writers. He was a journalist in the early 20th century in England. His name is G.K. Chesterton. He died in the mid-30s. And this is just one minute long. Spencer, go ahead and play that uh, video that I have marked in my notes, Chesterton, The Small Publicity of the Pagan. And it's just one minute long. Go ahead. Have you ever noticed that most modern philosophies are very dark and depressing? As G.K. Chesterton says, most people in our world today have been forced to be happy about the little things, but sad about the big ones. But that's not the way we were meant to be. We were meant to be joyful. Sadness is only an interlude. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. 
The Christian's able to deny himself immediate pleasures because there's great joy and fulfillment inside him. The pagan must constantly seek after pleasure because there's a great sadness and emptiness inside him. Joy, which was the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Let's share the secret. I love that. The gigantic secret of the Christian is joy, and the small publicity of the pagan is Christian. I'm going to bring my guest in here to to just react to that, and uh, we're going to show a trailer to a popular new film that he is featured in. But my guest today, I'm very honored to have him, is Stephen Black. He's from Oklahoma. And Stephen, what do you think about that? Isn't that great? The the, uh, the the small publicity of the pagan compared to the 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 joy that the fact that joy is this immense uh, uh, celebration for the Christian. Amen. I you know it reminds me of several scriptures in His right hand are pleasures forevermore. But the pagan, of course, they live for pleasure rather than living for Him who is the giver of pleasure. And then when you get those two reversed, you're not going to have real joy. Uh, you're going to have a, a violated conscience. And that's that's the real problem in so many people's lives. They're, they're longing to have something fulfilled in their lives. And they're living defiled consciences uh, in living in especially sexual sin. So that's, it's a pretty big deal. I did love that. But Stephen, you're, you're not saying, I know you're not saying this because I know you, uh, that your best life now means that there's no suffering, right? That there's no pain, oh. that there's no difficulty. And I know that's true uh, because the decisions that you've made in your uh, life have led to a, kind, a, a, a quality of suffering that I can't even begin to imagine. I, I think, for example, of your experience uh, with your daughter, and that's the, why don't you just get into that a little bit as an introduction to yourself. And, uh, and then because it's, I think that's a great introduction, a great jumping on point. And then we'll show that trailer for the new film that you're featured in. And, uh, but, you know, suffering, you've made a decision to take a very principled and uh, truthful stand on perhaps, not perhaps, on the most contentious and difficult issue in the West today, in my, in my view. I think it's even more difficult to address well than the abortion issue, which of course is baby murder. But this issue of, I'm gonna let you introduce it by telling us, uh, you decided to confront religious leadership uh, very publicly as an insider, a board member, and the consequence that, that God allowed to visit you is beyond imagining. And, and you're still faithful. This was years ago. You're still in there. You're telling the truth. You're reaching out. You're loving people. What happened? Well, I had a transformative radical experience 38 years ago, be uh, February 6th this year, um, that would just change my life. I lived as a gay identified man for eight years. Uh, and then I had this this encounter with Jesus Christ that 38 years ago completely changed me and has set me on course uh, to be uh, in ministry. I've been in ministry now for over 30 years in helping people uh, in the comfort that he gave me. And in that regard, uh, I became the uh, one of the leaders in a ministry called First Stone that was one of the founding ministries of the Exodus International uh, network of ministries that became very broken and eroded with antinomianism, hypergrace, uh, perverted uh, American Psychological Association, marrying that to Christianity, uh, starting at around 2008, 2009 with Clark Witten's antinomianism and Alan Chambers, uh, the the director. And so I was uh, in the middle of that and became uh, one of the board members for the ministry council. And, and during the implosion uh, and the debacle that took place with all of this behind the scenes in 2010, 2011, I was the chairman of that board. And so I was the one that kind of rallied the troops, uh, get people that, that 
that should be respected by anybody. Um, one of my favorites was Dr. Robert Gagnon to get him a real, uh, a real hero me to, to, to confront this because, you know, I'm an ordained minister and I know my Bible, but they didn't, you know, I don't have all the letters behind my name. And so, you know, someone like Clark Whitten was very dismissive. Uh, they should not have been dismissive of David Kyle Foster, uh, who is also a theologian, and and uh, Robert Gagnon, who were you know the some of the main confronters. And so, as a result of that, I, I did go through honestly a lot of depression and sadness, seeing and knowing that behind the scenes there was this erosion was taking place. And on the very day, the very month uh, of April 2012, I started taking a national stand. And then on the very day I resigned and pulled our ministry out of the network and said, you guys, this is leading to gay Christianity. And they mocked me and scoffed me. That was the night my daughter, my 21-year-old daughter, Charity Hope, uh, went into the hospital and the next morning she died. And then she was revived, put on machines for a couple of days. And, uh, and then her husband decided, you know, she was gone, the doctors, no brain activity. And so um, I paid a high price spiritually. Um, God is sovereign in his holiness. Uh, he does allow tragic things to happen to his servants to, uh, to do a work of honestly tested faith. My faith really got tested. And, and my wife and I, even going into this now, uh, eight years later, are still learning how to walk uh, with the suffering of the mourning of my wife's best friend and my uh, my little girl who was a dad a daddy's girl, and um, it was tragic. And then beside that, having some real betrayal, some people that actually you know said they believed the Bible, and then they they decided that you know that they were going to give way to uh, in the highest places of Christianity uh, that people are shocked to hear that are giving way to this APA, American Psychological Orientation Narrative, and they're mixing it with Christianity. And I think people are shocked when they start hearing the names of these people that are giving way to someone like a Nate Collins, who was underneath Albert Muller, and knowing that this is in, you know, what used to be our fundamental most Bible-believing denominations in the country. And so that's, you know, that's a little bit of an intro of, the, you know, tying in, yes, there's great joy. And I've had an amazing joy in my journey with Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. But there has been and there continues to be, and it looks like we may be in for a bumpy ride of suffering. And I always tell people, you know, because my book title is Freedom Realized, I always tell people that freedom is not the absence of struggle. And Christianity is not the absence of temptation or trials or tribulation. Matter of fact, real freedom, the grace of God, comes to where you are able to rise above it. doesn't mean you're not wounded even in the process, but you learn how to live in a godly way, surrendering to Jesus. That's what real freedom is. Amen. And uh, one of the frontline groups that has remained close, very close to orthodoxy, Christian orthodoxy on the issue of marriage and family formation and human sexuality is the American Family Association. And I know that you're honored to uh, maintain a very close relationship with Tim Wildman and, and that his team there in Tupelo, Mississippi. And uh, they just produced a movie. Tell us about the movie, your role in it, and then Spencer, get ready to play that trailer and uh, go ahead and set up the trailer if you would, Steve. So it is called In His Image, and this is based upon, you know, right out of Genesis and the image of God, he created them. God created them, male and female. And what this is, 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 a, is a documentary, a movie that unpacks uh, this person who's called the Wanderer. You won't necessarily see that so much in the in the trailer, but the Wanderer, she's asking these questions. And then it brings in four testimonies of people that have come out of homosexuality and another about uh, 15 contributors, PhDs, doctors, uh, lawyers, uh, people handling the issue of LGBTQ and that narrative coming in into the church 
uh, that we have uh, that's been coined sexual minorities. And so my role in it was, uh, one, a main part is the forefront of my testimony. But I also give a lot of answers in the bonus features. So what happened is the crew, the American Family Studios, the subsidiary of American Family Association, they came to Oklahoma City and in their own words said, as a result of spending a few weeks here with First Stone Ministries, they got their documentary. They understood some of the things that were missing that they did not understand about this these eroding influences, this little leaven that's coming in to erode the church. And uh, so when they got that, they were able to storyboard even in a bit much fuller way of answering this question, are we truly made in the image of God? And if we are, what does that really look like? And what is the role of the Christian in dealing with the LGBTQ narrative? And so that's what this this movie is about, is really about hope and encouraging the church to take a biblical orthodox view on human sexuality to be Bible-believing. Go ahead, Spencer. It was a summer day. My dad walked in the door and he said, Denise, I want to become a woman. I went through a brutal time of sexual distortion, molestation, led me into a lifestyle of being gay identified for eight years. I struggled with my identity all the way through my life, lived eight years as Laura Jensen until I found the Lord Jesus Christ. The issues are unavoidable. They're on the news. The White House in rainbow colors. They're in our legislation. The Texas bathroom bill. In our schools. Drag queen story out. Our entertainment, our social media. They're even reaching into our churches. Let us be the church together. We're not just talking about issues. We're talking about people. Began injecting myself with massive doses of testosterone. Right here is the needle. The needle's about this big. 15 months on hormone blockers. Maybe another month of hormones. There was always this elusive happiness, but I never quite got there. And you began to realize that maybe this didn't fix what you needed to fix. We are taking biologically healthy young children and putting them at risk. Every church in America is facing this. Love and acceptance and inclusion. They are legally married. As Christians, we can't sit this one out. Neither can we straddle the fence or just leave it to the experts. Every believer has to discover the truth, and that starts by digging into the scriptures. Many people now say that my experience trumps scripture. Can we change God's words? We don't have the luxury to edit what God has said. Being created in God's image means that God's fingerprints are all over us. The man and the woman are created each for each other. There is a fittedness. That's the language. If Jesus Christ becomes your Lord, he is the one who is to identify who you are. I love my partner. I love my job. I love my entire identity behind. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Is it really possible that I can experience change? The fact that there's a struggle doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path. Obeying God is a struggle. Holiness is a struggle. There is hope for you. God loves you. And you are made in the image of God. I felt like light was bursting forth from me and I knew I was completely changed. So in his image was, uh, dot movie, uh, folks, you're going to want to check that out. Stephen, is this available to churches? Can they show it? Uh, can they get it and show it to their congregations? Absolutely. Um, they, you know, with licensing and all of that, all they require is that you contact them and let them know the event is going to take place. Uh, they want this to be screened in churches. And if a church wants to, um, which we're already looking at uh, doing it uh, three times already scheduled, and here we are still in January over the year, where we are going to be going to churches, San Antonio, Ohio, uh, Tupelo. Um, we're going to be screening the movie and then doing panel discussions. We, um, we had the honor of having Dr. Michael Brown, Denise Schick, 
and uh, myself and, of course, Laura Beth and the entire uh, AFS producers, directors to come. And we did this huge panel discussion with the screening of the movie. Uh, The movie is 102 minutes long. So it, it gets right at that place where, you know, it feels like it's starting to become a long movie and then it ends. And so we want uh, churches to do this. And now they just put on their website at inhisimage.movie the bonus features. And the bonus features have another like 20 other additional videos. And these videos answer the hard questions that are coming. Uh, Kendra, uh, who was the producer and director, uh, her husband said, you know, honey, the, the bonus features are as good or better than the movie. And so it really does equip the church. And so, yes, we want this in the church. And they've made it widely available. You can even watch the whole thing online without paying one penny. Stephen, this issue, I think, causes many parents and grandparents to uh, sort uh, it causes so much pain especially for parents and grandparents who uh, were ra- were raised to think of this uh, well to really not think of this issue as anything other than a uh, sort of a unthinkable subject and now in that in, in the last 20 30 years they've come to find out that that not only is it going on around them on television, it's being pushed. Now, of course, they're having to come to grips with the fact that their denomination, the leaders they've respected, are, are softening on it, um, and and the, and and it's in it's in many many families with sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters. Um, what would you say to the father or the mother, the grandfather, the grandmother who? is experiencing so much pain related to this uh, that they just can't even see themselves watching this movie. Why should they watch it? Because there's, because they are feeling all that pain. Well, I tell you the the biggest reason why they would want to watch it is it's incredibly hopeful. Um, The movie ends with incredible hope uh, because the testimonies of the Lord make wise the simple And we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And the testimony, it's not just talking about the past. It's how the word of God comes into the soul and transforms that person. And parents and grandparents and and family members and friends need to have this kind of hope that Jesus Christ, that the gospel is the power of God to bring transformation. And part of the problem that we are up against is in the suffering of feeling maligned and and grieving is we're losing the faith that is fundamental, that the gospel really does change people's hearts. It changes the soul. And that's exactly what Satan has assigned to bring such doubt and unbelief against the church at large with this psychological offering. And so this movie is so hopeful and it will equip and empower. And the bonus features will really also help to answer the questions on how to address things. So one of the biggest things that we do in our ministry is we help parents. Uh, It is one of the fastest growing support groups in many of the ministries throughout the United States our parents and friends and family, and they come in and the first thing is, what did we do wrong? And, you know, it is so important to deal with the introspection and to look at what may have been done wrong or may not have been done wrong and to view that from the Holy Scriptures, to to get the mind of God so that the assault that is happening in these families because the LGBTQ narrative is to assault and attack parents that they are unloving, they are unkind, they're homophobic, they're bigoted, they're jaded, they're, you know, they've got an old Victorian mindset, they don't have the science, blah, 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 blah. And so it's left with all of this questioning. 
And so it is imperative that people get equipped. And if they did do something wrong, uh, never met a perfect parent. I, you know, I've got a, a almost 40 year old daughter, a, a 33 year old son and charity would have been 30. Um, and, and I made mistakes, Robin made mistakes and we homeschooled our kids and, uh, we hurt our kids. And so it is important to deal with those root issues and to give hope to parents. And that's what this movie does, because that's one of the things that parents need to process is their own shame and guilt so that they can be a good offering, a good gift of love, which is to boldly stand without compromise on the truth of God's word. I'm so glad, Stephen, you made that point, because I I think that this is the biggest impediment to uh, people in the West uh, effectively dealing with this issue. We all know that this issue isn't going to go away if we ignore it. We all, we have, we've known that the whole time. But now the, the LGBTQ uh, narrative has been weaponized with such effective hate against parents and grandparents that um, they, they, they do, I think, it's very difficult for them to get over the idea that they made the problem happen. It's their fault. They did something wrong when they were raising the children. And and to confront that on this particular issue is overwhelming, especially as uh, as they get older, as people get older. And and as this issue continues to roll through this uh, time of uh, deep chaos and evil in the West, in all of the West, Europe and America, particularly on the issue of sexuality, it it's not getting any easier to to deal with it you know to help our daughters to help our sons it's not getting any, it's getting harder but but we steven we really don't have an option do we we can't we cannot bury our love will not allow us to bury our head in the sand and ignore what's going on will it it won't it, it won't especially you know, in your audience and most of the audience that I speak to, because I've been called to speak into the church primarily. Uh, and because, you know, the culture, they, they can't stand someone like me that's going to boldly proclaim the truth. But if we're going to love Jesus first and we're going to love God and be a people prepared to actually see his face, who whose face, the son of God, is going to burn brighter than 10,000 suns, mm-hmm. then we better be on the right side of what he says. And that's why, you know, I, I in my book, I talk about Coram Deo, living in the presence of God, living in the fear of the Lord is a firm foundation in which we are going to walk out love. If we're going to really walk out love, we have to boldly tell the truth, yes, in kindness, but never, ever compromise because it is the loving thing. Now, that may mean, you know, and a lot of times it is uh, how we say, you know, homosexuality affects the whole family. When somebody makes that choice, it begins to cause you to look at your own sin, causes you to, to, to make sure that you have things in order in your own devoted life to Christ and to get those things in order. And I like what, you know, has been attributed to St. Francis or uh, uh, Augustine, which is preach the gospel all day long and if necessary, use words. But Romans 10 tells us we have to be ready. Um, How will they hear unless a preacher is sent to preach? We have to be ready to proclaim the truth. And yes, live a godly life, but be ready to proclaim the truth. And this is what we have to do. We have to equip. If we first and foremost love God, and then we say we love our family members, we need to make sure we have a clear conscience and we're doing a real service of being prepared to face our own judgment as a person living a godly life ourselves. We're going to take a break for a couple of minutes, but don't you go away uh, because on the other side of the break, which takes just two minutes, that gives you time to share this link with friends or loved ones who need this message and there'll be an archive version of this that appears automatically at wcntv.net i think it may also be on youtube so uh 
avail yourself of this resource. Uh, send it to Christian friends who, who need to be challenged or inspired on this very critical issue. And listen, when we come back, Stephen is going to uh, help you to develop a, 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 an instinct for seeing what's coming down the pike from the top of the church. And you need to know about this because there's a sophisticated uh, attack being waged and it's coming from the top of Christianity in the West in both the Roman Catholic Church and all the branches of Protestantism, including evangelicalism. It's coming down from the top. It's sophisticated. There's a narrative attached to it. It's got a lot of intellectual uh, heft behind it. And Stephen's going to talk to us in the next half hour after the break. He's going to, we're going to do a deep dive into what you need to be thinking about, what you need to be listening for, what you need to be aware of in your own church in your, and it's everywhere folks. It's everywhere. And if, if, if you don't, if you aren't starting to see it, you need to be here for this second half because you need for the sake of your relationship with Jesus Christ and the love that you have for your family, you need to know what's going on. And Stephen's going to help us do that. So Two minutes for the break. We'll be back and we're going to hit it hard on the second half of WCM TV Live. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from simplycleanfoods.net, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Right now, Amazon Prime members will receive fast two-day shipping. Go to simplycleanfoods.net. That's simplycleanfoods.net. But do it today. At the McClario Firm, it all starts with family. We are here to serve you and your family online or in person. Call today for a free consultation. The McClario Firm, your law firm for life. Start. Pornography is a destructive force. It destroys individuals, families, and fuels the out-of-control demand for sex trafficking. 45% of Christian families say porn is a problem in their home, but why aren't churches and public schools talking about this? Fear. People who view porn think they're the only one. It's a lie. Statistically, more people view porn than who do not and struggle in silence www.lynnfrederick.com. You can find the book I wrote about my own battle with porn and the presentations that I do for churches and public schools. lynnfrederick.com. dive into the deep end of the pool regarding what's going on inside of Christianity. Uh, Stephen, tell people uh, how they can connect with you, how they can get your resources. I, I commend you and First Stone Ministries for making so many excellent, deep, helpful resources available online. Um, multiple websites, books, uh, videos, the whole bit. Tell them about that. Tell them about that. Well, it's really easy. If you remember the gospel, John chapter eight, verse seven, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So I direct first stone ministries. The website is firststone.org. And on that website, you can find all kinds of resources, teachings, videos, um, links to books, our books, and the differing views on Christianity and the erosion that's taking place about what we're getting ready to talk about is a, there's a hyperlink there uh, in the quick links. Uh, when you scroll down, uh, it says differing views right there. It says differing views on Christianity, identity, and homosexuality. And uh, when you scroll down and, and actually zoom in on that graphic, you will see what is going on in the erosion of what we call the four columns and uh, of Christianity. 
So, but it there's a really um, just a a a, a plethora of of information on our website. We have hundreds of articles uh, that deal with all things human sexuality and the Bible at firststone.org. Great. So, Stephen, many Christians know the name Albert Moeller because he uh, has been uh, an effective (laughs) critic of secularism, godless secularism, going back years, decades. And he's Southern Baptist. And of course, Southern Baptist is the largest Protestant denomination in the United States of America. But uh, Albert Moeller is not uh, doing us any favors on this issue, right? No, he's he's really not. I was at the um, uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission conference in 2014, where the uh, ERLC decided to have a conference specifically on the issue of homosexuality. And he stated at that conference, and uh, I have links to all of what I'm getting ready to say. Um, It's not on our website as far as a specific um, uh, drop down. But if somebody wants to hear this and see this, they can go to firststone.org forward slash pastors. If they type in firststone.org forward slash pastors, all the links of everything I'm getting ready to say is there because I do these extensive teachings and then pastors and people elsewhere will say, I need the footnotes on this. Well, that's kind of where the footnotes are. And that is in, you can, there's a video there that shows Albert Muller literally saying that he repents of um, not believing in um, orientation. So what has happened is now we have the American Psychological Association that has permeated uh, a group of this think tank, higher learned PhDs, right? And they're the smart guys. They're so smart. Mm -hmm. And they call themselves the Gospel Coalition. And they have the APA guru, Mark Yarhouse, with the president of the Gospel Coalition, D.A. Carson, distributing a paper, and you can see it in in these links underneath the part where it talks about the leaven uh, on this page at... uh, pastors and leaders. The leaven is this. You take the APA narrative, which is orientation, which is a psychological understanding of the mind, the will, and the emotion. And they're saying it can't change, or in their words, it's a very rare thing that happens. Uh, And so they came up with a terminology that caused Albert Moeller to repent of not believing in orientation. And they, they, and you need to listen for these buzzwords, right? They call it sexual minorities now. And so they're playing right into this, even this new administrative uh, administration that we have in Washington, DC to propagate the idea of the equality act even in the church. So they started back in 2014, even earlier than that. The paper was written in 2010 by D.A. Carson and Mark Yarhouse to introduce the terminology sexual minorities to the Gospel Coalition. So these are leaders in the Presbyterian Church of America, the Southern Baptists. You have people like the uh, president of the Southern Baptist, J.D. Greer, And these people have bought into this lie, which is, like I mentioned, 2 Timothy chapter 3, they they have a lot of religion. They have a lot of smart and intellectual thinking, but they deny the power of the gospel. They deny the power of the Holy Spirit to rearrange the internal world of thinking. Now, and I know we have to be compassionate with people that have been in bondage and addicted for years. Uh, I've been doing ministry for over 30 years. But 
as theologians, they need to get this correct. And they need to give the hard truth, black and white, we're made in the image of God. You cannot change XX. XY is male. XX is female. You cannot have a transgendered Christian. These guys are rolling out in line with the Human Rights Commission campaign, the biggest gay lobby that have what they call a faith-based initiative to go right into the leadership of the Southern Baptist, the Presbyterian Church of America, the, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and offer these very um, honestly ambivalent and very skewed ideas that are based on emotion rather than good, sound, biblical theology. Stephen, I've heard this. I've, right. Stephen, I've, I've heard this phrase. Comment on this phrase. I would. I, I like. I think this very accurately captures what you're saying. What uh, you, dear uh, viewer, are going to be are going to start to encounter uh, in, in an increasingly potent fashion is weaponized ambiguity. That's weaponized, right. Weaponized. Right. That's what it is. Right. It's, That's very good. Weaponized ambiguity. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it is. So, so how do you know that you're the victim of a weaponized ambiguity? And I, I, I think that you know it because, because something just doesn't sit. Your brain is, it, it, you, you move into a kind of chaos, into a kind of intellectual fog. Right? Mike, it's very Solalinskyist, right? It's very, it's, it's kind of the same thing because it's emotion driven. And then it comes right beside it with this condemnation that you're not being kind that you're not being nice, right? And that's where, you know, you even have people like Rick Warren and some of these other big leaders in Christianity called for what is called the civility movement, right? So if you try to confront this stuff very boldly, like I do, then they say, oh, he's so hateful. He's so unkind. He's so unloving. And so they try to marginalize you with that emotional name-calling stuff which is exactly what you just said. It is this ambiguity that sounds really smart, right? They, they, they bring out their PhDs and they say, well, Mr. Black, what PhD do you have? And I'm like, I don't have one. You know what I have? I have the Bible and, it, and I have common sense and I have the science of XX and XY and what you guys are saying doesn't even make sense. Right. And uh, Stephen, there's, we're, uh, I know my son, I think you are the one who referred uh, my son to him, uh, Jared and his company, is uh, helping PhD level, good hearted uh, men and women of goodwill in Europe who are PhD level experts on all of this. And folks, you need to understand what's coming to America. It's already in Europe. Th- these uh, top level, I mean, the, some of the smartest people on the planet from a psychological and a psychiatric and a theological perspective on the issue of human sexuality, they literally can't even get a bank now in Europe. Right. Michael, Michael Davis. And... Yeah. They, they cannot get a bank. That's how bad, that's how bad the censorship is. You think it's, you think Facebook and Twitter throwing Trump off is bad. Imagine not And Trump lost his banking ability with uh, Deutsche Bank in Germany. Uh, I mean, it folks, this is becoming unhinged unhinged insanity the the censorship and this issue Stephen, seems to be one of the key triggers for uh these forces in the west to to come after you so yeah, no, but you're, you're here you're here you know your ministry is is uh, the doors are open um you've got a nice looking background there and you're producing a weekly show i mean they haven't killed you yet you've suffered right god has allowed suffering to come come at you but I guess what I want to leave with folks here in the remaining 15 minutes is it's it's threatening. It's difficult. There is suffering that goes with it, but there's hope, isn't there? And you are able, you are helping people, right? You are helping many people. And- it, it is incredible to watch even behind the scenes. And I, and I have to, and my staff has to remind ourselves, 
Remember what happened in the support groups. Remember what happened in the small group. Remember what happened in pastoral care and counseling. Lives are being completely transformed and changed. I wish, honestly, I wish I could put up a picture of the dozens of men with the many dozens of families with the many hundreds of children now that have been produced over the last 30 years because lives were transformed by the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. So even though you're uh, taking on perhaps the most controversial issue in the West and you do suffer and you do, you are persecuted, you're, you're having victories. Tell it, give, tell us a little bit about some of your victories in the midst of, of, of this, especially with respect to confronting guys like, and I uh, like Moeller and, and uh, it doesn't have to be him, but I mean, you've, you've been out there offering a scriptural and a moral critique of these leaders, very powerful leaders within Christianity, familiar names. And, uh, but you're, you're making a difference. You're, you're getting traction. People are listening to you. Uh, do you think that we're, do you think we're, we might turn a corner at some point here or what, what do you think? Well, when they're hearing some common sense and they're actually hungering, one of my, my favorite stories right now is a young man who came two years ago as a result of the Revoice Conference. Now, the Revoice Conference was head up by a protege of Albert Muller, Nate Collins, who uh, promoted the whole gay Christian narrative conference. You know, they call it traditional or historic Christianity, but they want to call themselves gay and Christian, even though they're holding to the line of celibacy. And I, I applaud them for that. And I think some of these guys are well-meaning that are supportive of that. But this young man uh, honestly came to the office to meet me because he knew that I was one of the people that had confronted and here was right in the same state he was in. He came from another city, a college city uh, up north. I'll just say Stillwater, Oklahoma. And he came uh, and wanted to actually be confrontive. Well, we sat here and I listened to him and then I would give him scripture and then I would give him scripture. And then I would tell him, you know, how my life was changed. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got him to wrestle with, his own belief systems, and thank God he was a a truly um, seeking heart. He had a seeking heart. And just this last week, he wrote me this card, and he said, thank you so much. My life has been saved. Um, I am so grateful for the Word of God and the truth of God uh, that I have learned over the last two years. The I would have been stuck in that revoice. I probably would have went back or would have went in full on into homosexuality if it had not been for First Stone Ministries. Those are the kinds of stories that make what we do worth it. And you've uh, been involved with critiquing uh, these very powerful forces within Christianity. Um, do you think that they're going to change their minds? Do you see any hints that there's any kind of uh, rethinking going, or, or are they these powerful forces at the top of Christianity, are they doubling and tripling down to promote this agenda? I believe the ones that really believe the word of God, like my favorite go-to verse is Ephesians 5, verses 5 through 8. Those that will believe that and really believe the narrow way and embrace holiness are going to be the ones that have the quorum Deo, right? They have the fear of God. And those that that have the true gospel, they are they are going to shake out of it, and, and we are seeing it because their narrative over there on the other side is really mixed with the ambiguity of the sin that they're not telling you. Like they're continuing to fantasize, masturbate, look at pornography. They they are doing things that are locking them into their bondage. And those young men and women that realize this does not bring me peace and it is a violation of my conscience because the Holy Spirit is pointing, pointing it out in their heart, they're going to come out of it. I know they will. Mm -hmm. But the ones that love their sin, just like Jesus said, you can know the difference, right? When people love darkness and love their sin, they hate the light. They hate Jesus. 
And so that that's becomes the battle here. So you're seeing um, some positive uh, changes. So I think a lot of people who are uh, viewing, a lot of Christians who uh, are viewing the show or thinking about this issue uh, want to make sure that they're uh, that they're not judgmental, that they're not perceived as being um, unwelcoming. I mean, that that was a word that the that the left wing, that the LGBTQ narrative adopted a number of years ago, which they've weaponized and they've got a, a tremendous uh, forward movement for their ideas, their evil ideas out of, is this whole idea of being welcoming. What would you say to the viewer who uh, is part of a church which is has been orthodox, but maybe is leaning toward this idea of not being perceived as hateful and wanting to be welcoming to people who are living as homosexuals? Well, love loves the truth. Jesus is the truth. And without the firm foundation of the rock of his word and his, his beautiful commandments, um, it's not going to be welcoming and they like to use also inclusivity and kind. And then of course the big, big one, love, you know, that they're saying love is love and that we need to be loving and kind. And this is where we need to have a very good discipling of the the churchgoer of what is true love. And, and so I, I say it this way, you know, they're, they're saying love is love and inclusivity and welcoming. Okay, so if the house is burning down and people are in the house and it's on fire and I walk by that house and I say in breathy tones, fire, I'm not being loving. You know, that may sound welcoming, that may be inclusive and sound kind, but I was at, uh, you know, the conference, the Family Life Conference in um, Tupelo last year, and I was mentioning this. I said, I would scream out the top of my lungs, fire, fire, and there was a firefighter in the audience, and he said, yeah, and the loving thing would be to bash down the door and the windows, and I was like, Mm. oh, right on, right on. And so we need to get a biblical definition of what love is. If you know a soul is headed on a trajectory of hell, you know, praying prayers don't, that theology, once saved, always saved. If it's a praying prayer, there is eternal security. But praying prayers and believing in the mental ascent without repentance or a changed life, you need to preach the gospel like Spurgeon used to. And and uh, some of the greats in the in, in historically Leonard Ravenhill, and um, preach the gospel in such a way that causes the soul to burn, to want, to be pleasing, and develop a lifestyle of holiness. That's love. That's real love, and that's what we need to disciple in the church. But we've got to have some men of courage. I think it's interesting. My, Michael Brown did a thing on on courage last year, and who. Uh, who who goes to heaven. And it's not the cowards. The cowards actually have their part in the lake that burns with fire. And uh, we need to get back to preaching good, biblical, sound, gospel teaching messages that cause the heart of the believer to want to mentor and disciple and evangelize this generation like first century Christianity, because Jesus is coming and coming soon. What a great introduction, uh, Stephen, for this video. Um, Spencer, Theodore Roosevelt. This is two minutes long, and it's a very familiar quote, but I just love the music and the voice over uh, reading this very famous quote. And Stephen has set it up perfectly by acknowledging that what we need are men of courage. Go ahead, Spencer. The poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer. There are many men who feel a kind of twisted pride and cynicism. There are many who confine themselves to criticism of the way others do what they themselves dare not even attempt. 
There is no more unhealthy being, no man less worthy of respect, than he who either really holds or feigns to hold an attitude of sneering disbelief toward all that is great and lofty, whether in achievement or in that noble effort which, even if it fails, comes to second achievement. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So we are with one of those souls right now, Stephen Black, who produces a weekly uh, show, one-hour show, and in the arena, he produces it on the internet. It's archived. And Stephen, tell us about that show because uh, anybody who's watching this uh, live or as in the archive, this doesn't have to be the end. This can be the beginning of you yourself getting in the arena and becoming part of the solution. Tell us about your show, Stephen. Yeah, I'm in the arena every week at uh, 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern. Uh, with what is based upon my book and and coming second book, Freedom Realized, and it's called Freedom Realized Live, and it's three uh, parts to it in each episode is that Freedom Realized is about bold truth, so we bring scripture, and then bold courage, provoking leadership to take a moral and godly stand and to ask even the lowliest of the church member to get involved and to to disciple and to confront leadership and then bold compassion, which is to bring the testimony of somebody who has found lasting freedom or communicate bold truth that has the compassionate result of people finding freedom. And that's at firststone.org. Is that right? What they can find it there? uh, Well, it's at stephenblack.org. Uh, is where the Freedom Realized is, uh, but they can also get to it from firststone.org and on Facebook right now. But we're looking at different platforms because Facebook, if the Equality Act passes, that they'll be eliminating us, no doubt. Yeah, that, that's happening to a lot of my friends. They're, they're disappearing off Twitter and off Facebook and stuff. So, um, but hey, listen, folks, that, that just means that we're over the target and... Yeah. I got to tell you, the Internet is changing in a very exciting way. And if you don't know what what I'm talking about, uh, check out altatech.com. That's my son's website. And he's he's doing a uh, Saturday morning uh, one hour uh, video for free where he goes into the technical uh, aspects of how the Internet is changing and why these are very exciting times to be alive. Because, um, yeah, big tech has a lot of power. Yes, they're a monopoly. Yes, they hate us if we love the truth. But that, you know, hey, it's been that way since the since the, the Garden of Eden, and uh, we have an opportunity to continue to live uh, for God. Stephen Black's been with us. I want to thank you, Stephen, for being with us. What a great show! 
be sure to share this uh, link with your loved ones, with friends, with anybody who you think can be helped by it. Next week, we'll be back with uh, another exciting guest. I'm not sure who it is. Oh, yeah, I do. Anyway, tune in. I promise you it's going to be a great guest. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you.